in Haiti, you need God to, right. to survive, right. to live. But here in America, you can live without God. Thank you for tuning in to the Removing Barriers podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm MCG. And we're attempting to remove barriers so we can all have a clear view of the cross. This is episode 151 of the Removing Barriers podcast. And this is the 36th in the series of How Were Your Barriers Removed? And in this episode, we'll find out how Pastor Harrigan's barriers were removed when he came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hi, this is Jay. MCG and I would like for you to help us remove barriers by going to removingbarriers.net and subscribing to receive all things Removing Barriers. If you'd like to take your efforts a bit further and help us keep the mics on, consider donating at removingbarriers.net slash donate. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. Pastor Harrigan, welcome to the Removing Barriers podcast. Well, thank you so much. It's a great honor and a privilege to be part of this great ministry. Removing Barriers, where MCJ and J, they together, they really have a desire, a zeal to share the gospel, to let people know about the greatness and the importance of being a child of God. And I'm honored, privileged to be part of this great, great ministry tonight. Well, thank you, Pastor. And just add that when Jay and I got married, what, 11 years ago, almost now, Pastor Harrigan was the pastor who declared us husband and wife. Mm -hmm. I was glad to be part of that. I remember the people, too. I got to be thankful. That's the first time I've been to a a wedding where I had the privilege to serve and what you call a bed bed uh, breakfast where they well out of bed they fed you out. That was a great, great privilege to be part of this wonderful blessing, wonderful wedding, how the Lord put you guys together and how the Lord used you two together as family. And I'm honored I was able to do that. All right. Well, let's get into Pastor Harrigan. Tell us what state or country were you born in? Well, as you know, I was born and raised in Haiti. Grew up in Haiti. I lived there for all my life. I was uh, almost 16 years old, a missionary out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, she came to Haiti at the age of 16 as a, what you call a short-term missionary. At that time, she was only 16, and she came to Haiti. Then went back to the United States. The Lord called her, and she attended Moody Bible Institute in the 50s. And stayed there and graduated and got married. Her husband, Shreve, they went to Haiti. They were there at least 30 years, 40 years almost. And they invited me to a Bible camp. And I went to the Bible camp. And here in the state, we call it vacation Bible school. But in Haiti, we call it Bible camp. And where she showed me the scripture, salvation by grace through faith. In the middle of the Voodooism and satanic worship and you name it back then. And and that's why I thank Christ. And having received Christ as my personal Savior, I moved to the state where I was living not far from Penn State University, a little place called State College area, where my desire was to go to Penn State University to take mechanical engineering. Mm. And I never forget, but when I was at Penn State and when I was there, ready to go to Penn State, and then evangelist came and preached on the sweetness of serving Jesus. So he gave the invitation little place called Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, about less than 50 people. So he gave the invitation and I came forward again myself. 
the good full-time ministry. So I ministered that call, and I went to Magda Bible College, went to Tennessee Temple, went to Iowa in seminary, so, and came back to Florida as, you know, to, as a missionary to serve my people down here. Great. So you were born in Haiti, grew up there until you were 16, you said. Correct. Tell us about your family. What kind of family were you born in? Was this a... I didn't have the privilege to be born in the... Uh, my father was not a born-again Christian, but however, the missionary who led me to Christ was very influential to us. And she led my mom to Christ first, then led on my father. But I was really, through the missionary, we were a family was able to get involved in ministry and church and so on. But in, in essence, I would say, in my early age, before 16, we were not involved in Christian and Christian life at all. So before your salvation, would you say that your life and upbringing were quite secular or perhaps your family was maybe religious, maybe participated in the voodoo religion or maybe Catholic or any type of religion at all in your family upbringing? Well, my father was Catholic pretty much, okay. yes. But my mom and dad were not deeply involved in the voodooism, but my uncle and auntie, but they were pretty deep involved in it. But my father, they were not really deeply involved, but my father was Catholic and my mom, she was Catholic as well. I see. But the voodooism, we were aware of it because my uncle and my auntie and the village where we grew up, you know, all, every time they get the ceremony as a kid, we can see it wide open. You know, right. they do it all night long, you know. Right. I know that in Haiti, there are people who profess to be saved, but what they'll do is they'll take Jesus as maybe one more addition to their plethora of gods. So they'll take a little bit of Jesus along with whatever religion, whether it's Catholicism or voodoo or whatever historical religion their families participate in, and then they call themselves Christian, which is what makes evangelizing in Haiti, I would imagine, somewhat difficult, getting people to understand what the gospel is apart from all these other different religions that actually take away from the gospel. So it sounds like you didn't hear anything about the gospel until this missionary spoke to you and brought you to Christ. And it was through this Bible camp that you heard the gospel. Could you describe that time for me? Was it her speaking to you one-on-one, -on -one, or was it a preacher at the Bible camp from which you heard the gospel? Could you describe how you heard the gospel for the first time? It was like as a kid at that Bible camp, she was doing some sort of Bible lesson, in mm -hmm. a sense. You know, as you go through a character of the Bible, you get a picture of the Bible and show you, you know, tell you about that person's life. So... It was through that series of, uh, I should say, the character of the Bible. They probably picked somebody, and it was showing that they liked Jesus, how, what kind of man he was. Mm -hmm. So when she was showing us, but it wasn't just me alone, though. It was more than just me in that class where we received. Uh, then she gave the invitation and asked us, do you guys want to receive Christ, the person was Savior? And we, there were about, you know, 10 of us in that class, uh, about eight or seven of us, I agree. Well, one or two didn't do it, but because in Haiti, the family members, you do not do it that way without permission from your parents. Mm -hmm. So those kids, they were not, they were elected to do it at that time. But us, we were, you know, I did it in some other guys. But it was like a, how telling about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, what kind of man he was, and he came to this earth, and, and so on. Now, I didn't have enough knowledge, you know, of Christ at that time, but I do know. She tell us the need, the necessity to give our life to him. Was that the first time you came to a full realization of your sin? 
Or was there another time when you realized, hey, I may be a kid, but I'm not a good person, so to speak? Well, that was the time I really admitted that I see need that. I realized, you know, I must come to Christ because the missionary said, you know, I can remember exactly what she said. As long as you live, you know, you have a chance. But once you're dead, it's over. And at the time, I said to myself, suppose I got killed tonight. Suppose I die tonight. You know, and that came to my mind. And when we realized, you know, as long as you live, you're good. But what about once you, you know, you have no idea when you say when your life ends on this earth, it's going to come to an end, you know. So that was the time, really, I said, oh, okay, I don't want to live this earth without knowing that where am I going, you know, and I give my life to Christ. Pastor, would you say that there were any barriers preventing you from being saved? And if so, what were they? Well, as you know, as a kid in Haiti, before 16, I was not living for God in the sense of the word. I couldn't see the difference to live, you know. As a kid, you know, we would not follow exactly the procedure when you go to school. And first part of my grade school, I did not go to a Christian school. So I went to a secular school. So up to 10, 12, and I would just follow all the group. You have to fit in. So, you know, the desire to follow the other group, to fit in. So, in a sense, keep me from really obey or come to Christ. But now that doesn't mean once in a while I will not go to church, you know, but not, you know, to go to church in a sense, to know the reason why, you know. I didn't have a purpose at that time, but once in a while I would go to church. But at that time, the desire to follow the other group, to fit in, you know, to make sure, you know, they can, like, to be accepted by them. The peer pressure, I should say, that was uh, my uh, handicap to really to bring me to resistance and bring me to rebellion, bring me to refusal to really follow Christ properly. So you also mentioned that when you came to U.S., you were in Pennsylvania. Could you tell us a little bit about that? How did that tie in with your salvation and your call to the ministry? Well, when I was in Pennsylvania, that was it. I went to a vocational school. I was taking like electricity in the morning, 8 to 12, and then started from 1 o'clock. I would take a Bible. So that would really encourage more. That, that play, I should say, a very important part of my life when it's come to go to full-time ministry because some guys go to school just, you know, to learn about the Bible. Some kids, their parents send them to the school just to learn about the Bible, but not to become a minister or to be full-time in ministry, stuff like that. So I was one of the kids. When I was at that school, I was taking electricity, but in the afternoon, we were taking the Bible, but not in a sense to become a preacher. But well, after I graduate, and that's where, and I received the call to go to full-time ministry. So that's where I, really, I yield myself and go to completely to Bible colleges and seminary and so on. Sounds great. Tell us about your church. You've been pastoring a church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for many years. Tell us about your church and how can folks find you there? Well, you know, right now we are a Haitian church in a sense, and we are what you call transcultural in a sense. We have service for them in Creole, but the little kids who born here, we have service for them in, in English and Sunday school, stuff like that. So, But we are here for Lauderdale. 
we went through obstacles as far as getting a permanent building. But we've been waiting for a while. And now we're almost to the end where we're getting a building to be permanent. So that's why Florida really it's become a little bit harder place when it comes to building. You have to have at least one acre of land to build and 1.5, 2.5 million dollars for one acre down here. Oh, wow. So it's make it easier for us to build uh, the way we like to, but we find right now we have a building, you know, we're working hard to fix it and turn over to a permanent place. We, for now, we're renting a building where we meet in the afternoon and during the week, we have Bible study and so on. But we've been there for a while, and so we're hoping the Lord will open the door for us, you know. What's the name of your church? Grace Asian Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you're listening to the Removing Barriers podcast. We're sitting down with Pastor Harrigan, and we're finding out how were his barriers removed. We'll be right back. This is the Removing Barriers podcast. If the podcast or the blog were a blessing to you, leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. Hi, this is Jay. MCG and I would like for you to help us remove barriers by going to removingbarriers.net and subscribing to receive all things Removing Barriers. If you'd like to take your efforts a bit further and help us keep the mics on, consider donating at removingbarriers.net slash donate. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Pastor Harrigan, after salvation, what changes were evident in your life? Well, you know, uh, I should say for myself, you know, salvation, I should say, I don't want to say manifest in different ways in life, different people in the sense. But on my situation, after salvation, I had more desire to attend church more, to read more Bible, and to really to avoid the wrong crowd. Now, I had no desire to be friends from other guys who were ungodly, non-Christian friends. Now, I still keep friends where we talk and stuff like that, but all they can say in me, you're not the person like you desire to go to fellowship, different group, and that was taken away from me, and I was just focused, really, I had more desire to go to church more often, read my Bible friend, and but in my case, I select friend who's my friend. I have no desire to be part of some of the friend. I have, you know, becoming like a group, a handful of friends were in my part. So that was the first step in my salvation to separate from all friends and to be focused on a spiritual aspect of my life. Being that young, was that separation difficult for you to separate from your old friends and adopt new ones? Well, that's what I was missing, man. As a matter of fact, I didn't even realize it, but they were the one who telling me, you know, and I said, look, we see in you, you have no desire to, you know, to really, to be part of us no more. And that's what I finally realized myself, you know, yes, you're right, because... I have really just what to, I do something and what they saw me and I just, you know, always ready to go to church. So that's kind of change at a young age, tell the difference, you know, about me, who I am, you know, it was not easy change, but you're right. But in my case, really, now I'm not saying what to some people, 
at young age, this question, but they did not do it that way. But that's what I said. I'm not using the word salvation manifest in different ways to different people. But again, in my case at that time, our friendship was not more interesting to me like it was in the old, in the past. All right. So you said you were saved through a missionary coming to Haiti. And that's the testimony for a lot of people your age in the Caribbean were saved through missionaries going to the Caribbean, Haiti, many other countries, starting churches, presenting the gospel. Think about the state of Haiti now. Do you think that the way your barriers were removed, the way you heard the gospel, do you think that it would be effective for someone else in the culture today in Haiti? Well, yes, it would be, except they would not have the opportunity that I had. Back then, you had it uh, Haiti in the 70s. You were just a missionary. You were tourism, really. It was nothing but tourism. Wherever you go, you find tourists all over the country. And they walk, you know, bare feet. It's a privilege for them to come down there with bare feet early in the morning in the sun. And so enjoying the sun and stuff like that. But now the desire for that missionary might be the same to lead people to Christ, but obstacle, you know, insecurity, you know, and dangerous life where you get kidnappers. So that will be, you know, hard for a Haitian young man at that age to find that privilege I had. In those days where we had, you know, missionaries was all over the country, the countryside and for the capital. So now, but the desire for the missionary would be the same. But however, insecurity, you know, and dangerous life, you know, so that would stop that young Haitian to receive that kind of opportunity that I had in the past. Though the missionary would love to do it, but there would be too many, too many obstacles right now stepping in the way. Yes, I'm sure we see so many news articles and videos of the devastation taking place in Haiti right now as gangs run amok in the capital and in other areas of the country. And it's just a situation that we really have to pray that the Lord would continue to send laborers. I realize it's really so difficult when there's no security. But I'm just thinking about all those souls that are left there that need the gospel. I pray that we find a solution soon. And I agree with you 100%. You know, even the native pastor himself. Yeah. He goes to church down there. You know, he doesn't know if he's coming back home. You know, they're kidnapping many of, mm-hmm. you know, pastors. Man, don't mind. The pastors have money and so on like this. So you're not 100%. But however, in the midst of everything, you find some Christians. They go mm-hmm. and pray. and. But their own risk, in a sense. Right, you know, right. At their own risk. But really, it's the souls need to be saved. The work can be done. But the bad guy, you know, and, yeah. you know, become an obstacle for the ministry to, you know, carry out. But, you know, Pastor, you're doing the work of the Lord in Fort Lauderdale, southern Florida, that has a significant Haitian population. Uh, could you tell us, what are some of the things that you're doing personally in the area of evangelism, pastoring, et cetera? that would help remove barriers like the ones you face in your younger life? What are some of the things that you're doing to help remove those barriers in the lives of other people? No, we must admit it. We have a lot of Haitians who really still have zeal to, you know, for the gospel, go to church no matter what. But however, because it's different, I should say, different lifestyle. And when you have some people who really, it's open. They have to work two, three jobs. That's no. You know, no secret about that. Mm-hmm. Well, however, you do find some other age and become laid back, you know, 
because of the, I should say, the American life. And, the, you know, you do have some Haitians who are still faithful who will not miss a service no matter what, how tired they are from work and so on. So we try to, you know, keep their faith and tell them to keep their faith, keep on worship God and never go sidetrack, you know, because you're in America doesn't mean, you know, your desire to serve God should, you know, go less. So we try to encourage them to be faithful and never stop, I should say, serving God, loving God, the same desire you had when you were in Haiti. Never let that out in your life. Pastor, when you say some people, they are in the country and they've become lax a little bit, is it because there's safety and security here as opposed to whatever country they came from? And so they feel like, okay, I'm in a safe place now. I could relax. And then they let everything go. They kind of become what the Bible calls full and they forget their maker type of thing. Is that what you're referring to? In a sense, well, so you do have some old Haitian who've been in the country longer, you know, just to say, listen, in Haiti, you need God to, right. to survive, right. to live. But here in America, you can live without God. You do find some, you know what I mean, some people who, because they become easy, easy in their lives because of, I should say, the financial status. It's getting better while they're here. Mm-hmm. So then you forgot no more. That's a danger. I try to tell them, you know, not to be involved in because it's a danger to say, now, you know, I have a job and I can take care of myself. No need for God no more. I just told them, you know, you never, never come to a point in your life where you feel that way. What are some things and some ministries in Haiti that are trying to reach the Haitian people that you know of, that you may be involved with? Tell us about those. Well, right now, I don't really know much in a sense. Now, you, you do have a mission board. We see a lot of missionaries in there. But again, that, that goes back to insecurity. You do have some missionaries down there who were there for years, the old missionaries. But their kids we refuse to really to take over the work because uh, their life is in jeopardy. So I do have some missionaries. Now, as we speak right now, it's hard for me to tell because a lot of them had gone to Dominican Republic. Mm. which is a little bit, you know, safer than now. We have a lot of Haitian living over there. So instead of Haiti itself, you have a lot of missionaries who move to the west of the country, Dominican Republic, because they have a lot of Haitian over there where it's a bit safer. So you might know one or two missionaries still down there, but not that many. The work right now is trying to know for by the nationals, the Haitian themselves, you know, instead of run by the missionaries, in a sense. Yeah. All right, Pastor Hurricane, let's go into a little bit of fun section and find out some of your favorites. Tell us, what is your favorite scripture verse? Well, that's a good question. First uh, Timothy 1.12. I love that verse because he said where Paul gave the testimony. What he was before Christ put him in ministry. But for a while, I do have that verse. But now I'm in Galatians 2.20. So where he says, I'm crucifying with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life I live in now, I live by the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Mm-hmm. So that become my favorite verse, uh, Galatians 2.20. But for a while, I had First Timothy 1.12. So Galatians 2.20 has become my, really, my favorite, favorite verse Amen. for now. 
you, you with me? <laughs> For now, until yeah. the Holy Spirit gives you another, the way he normally does. <laughs> what is your favorite historical biblical account? Some people call them Bible stories, but we don't like to call them that because we believe that everything in the scriptures are true. It's history. It really happened. So we say, what is your favorite biblical historical account? You know, Paul always been my favorite biblical historical life, you know, because what I picked the Apostle Paul because is what what he was in the past and what it is today. Just to show you the power of the gospel, how the gospel can change lives. You know, when I go to the prison ministry and he I have those guys, the judge give him 30 years in prison. You with me? Mm-hmm. So and this man after 30 years, he's been sentenced for 30 years for whatever crime he committed. So you think this guy will be, you know, discouraged, forget it, I don't need God. But you be amazed when you go to prison, those guys, if you miss one service, the first thing we say, well, Pastor Hergen, we miss you. Mm. You know, but the man has 30 years. But you see his hope and faith is always in God. Historically, Paul always been my character in a sense where you always remind me, the country of Haiti, like you said, what can change life is only the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the power of the gospel. And that's what can change lives. And that's what I always, always like the Apostle Paul. And like we were saying for years, and he, he always says, and First Timothy 1, 12, you know, so how he gives thanks to God, you know, and they bless him, I love him, you know. Counting him to put him as ministry. So, but who was Paul though? So, as you know, his life was chaotic, evil, wicked man. But today, Christ used him. And that's what me and in Haiti, the person who was involved in voodooism, for example, that person come to Christ, hear the gospel, and change his life. You know, that's a blessing to me mm. to see that. Amen. What would you say is the most convicting scripture passage to you? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, First Timothy one twelve really is really that's what really my uh, passage I love the most because it just showed me, you know, who I was today and who I am today yeah. because of the gospel. What did Paul say? I am what I am by the grace of God. All right, so he said First Timothy 1, 12, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who had enabled me that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. As a pastor, exactly. dig into that and tell us why is that so special to you? Because I imagine you look at your background, maybe born in Haiti in a third world country, one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere. You were saved through an American missionary. You had the privilege of moving to the U.S. and have your family. Go into the emotions behind of that and everything behind of that. When the scriptures say he counted you faithful, putting you in the ministry. Well, I see two aspects of life. First of all, beginning, I see it. Me grew up in Haiti. Like, I would not have any chance. I never thought God would have, uh, you know, see me as a minister. Mm. And I thought maybe grew up in Haiti, I'd probably be too poor to be, you know, part of this great gospel of Christ. And that's why I said to myself, grew up in Haiti in the voodooism, and I could have been involved in the voodooism, satanic worship down there, you know. Mm-hmm. And it took me up, out of that, you know. I love this one, show me how, where Paul was in a sense, how deep it was. Now, he was involved, not in the voodoo worshiping, but the country itself, when you're in that country, 
And I said, as a kid, now my mom that were not angry, but my uncle, my auntie, or, you know, the surrounding was deeply involved in it. But God take me out of that completely. Amen. Not only bring me to the United States. Now, when I come to the United States, many of my friends in school in Haiti, they want to actually become lawyers and doctors and engineers, stuff like that. That's what, you know, but that's it. That was not interesting me either. You know, the money, that doesn't interest me when I come to the United States. But winning people to Christ was really, there was the blessing to me. See, I use myself as an example to see there are different ways I could have, you know, go astray. But yet God spared me and put me in the gospel and ministry. Amen. What is the most comforting scripture verse for you? I know that you probably find a lot of comfort in First Timothy one twelve. No, no, but... I do right now and get it into twenty. Ah, mm. I see. Is that the most comforting yeah. scripture for you? Yeah, that will you know, it just sometimes remind you uh, in life when people say goodbye to you, but you have a God who loves you, mm-hmm. you know, and who can count on you. You can count on mm-hmm. when men, you know, stab you or you know, when men betray you or whatever right. happened to you in life, you have a God. Whom mm-hmm. we can depend on trust and count on. Get it from 220. What is your favorite hymn of the faith? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I used to love that saying, Years I spent in vanity and proud, and knowing not my Lord was crucified. At Calvary? Exactly. That part, you know, and I was lost where I didn't know there was, you know, something better for me. But I did, I was ignorant. In a sense, but when I was away from God, I live it proudly away from God. So that's what, knowing not, you know, my Lord was crucified for me. Amen. In that calf. So there are many other hands, but again, but this one, you know, so that's remind me. All right. I think the next question, your favorite giant of the faith, would that be Paul or would you have another favorite giant of the faith? Oh, Paul is number one, but I do have some, from a human perspective, I do have some pastors, you know, whom, you know, who influenced me. Like, for example, you take Marin K. Gallagher out of Ohio. And, you know, he, he became my hero as he showed what ministry was. But when I first, before I went to Bible college, I never wore a jacket and suit and tie. I never knew what that was. <laughs> you know, that wasn't meant for student. That wasn't meant for, you know, as soon as you got the shirt, that's what, you know, you're good enough, you know. And But when you put me on the shoulder, teach what ministry is. And at Bible College, he gave me my first jacket, sport jacket, you mm-hmm. know, and a tie. Well, then, so to me, those kind of men who train you and put you on the shoulder, right. you could never forget those kind of uh, men in your life. Right. I think he just don't know how hot the islands are for us to wear suit and tire. You're right, too, you know. <laughs> well, he did say that, though. He did say he went to Puerto Rico and he didn't wear suit and tie. <laughs> yeah, we definitely understand. Again, let's wrap it up and tell us how can barriers overall be removed in the life of others? Well, 
Well, that's a good question, but it might be, in a sense, difficult to get the exact answer, you know. And like I always believe in life, and we all have problems, we all have difficulties, we all have, you know, hardship in life. Sometimes you look at this person's life and you take it better from you, but what he or she is going through might even harder than yours. So, and that's what we always, I always tell those people, you know, the key is to focus on Jesus because that's one way you can get, you know, you can go a step forward in your life. My philosophy is the gospel, that's what can carry through, can help somebody to carry through in anywhere in life. Because you look at the way today and now United States, like you and I know it, you know, wonderful country, great country, but yes, you have more teenage suicide, you know, than, you know what I mean? Every uh, thousand young teenagers and covert suicide, you wonder why, you know? And, but again, the gospel, I think that's what you and I should know. It's, it's the only way that people can, you know, live a victorious life and help you to go through to carry on and on. Yeah, definitely. Pastor Harrigan, it was indeed a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Removing Barriers podcast. Well, I'm CG, as you know, and uh, Jay, you guys know what your family meant to me. I'm always honored, privileged to hear from you guys and to really to be part of this great ministry of the Lord. And I'm thankful to God for allowing you and Jay to, you know, you guys to share the gospel. And now it's, it is a great, great way to share the gospel. And I'm thankful for that. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Removing Barriers podcast. Make sure to rate us everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Removing Barriers, a clear view of the cross. Thank you for listening. To get a hold of us, to support this podcast, or to learn more about Removing Barriers, go to removingbarriers.net. This has been the Removing Barriers podcast. We attempted to remove barriers so that we all can have a clear view of the cross.